Welcome back to Finest Hours. We're happy to be back and we have another amazing story for you today. Uh, but first intros, I'm Braden Cromore. I'm joined by my co-host Hayden Hansen and our real kind of burly today, Skylar, our burly executive producer, Skylar Williams. Hardy har har. I think he looks a, a little ravishing to me. Skylar's, <laughs> got, Skylar's got his best mountain man look going on right now. You guys are too kind. Beautiful long locks. I'm growing it out. So, no shave November is around the corner. At least the hair. I'll keep the mustache for no shave November, but the hair is going, going long. Yeah, you look like you've added a couple years. You look a little older, distinguished. That's what I'm going for. Not, too. not distinguished, but okay. Well, older. If he was distinguished, he wouldn't be too unlike our topic for the day. <laughs> there's nothing you could possibly do to make yourself look distinguished <laughs> oh jeepers <laughs> you've already ruined that with your behavior no oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> well today's story is about a man you may know alexandra dumas and if you don't know him you're sure to know some of his works considering that over 200 of them have been turned into films if you enjoy literature, then you've probably heard of his books. And if you enjoy films, you've also probably heard of his books. <laughs> <laughs> two, two of his most noteworthy books, uh, The Three Musketeers and The Count of Monte Cristo, which was probably one of my favorite books that we read as part of our high school English curriculum. The, the older movie is pretty good, too. Well, which older the new movie? one was pretty good. I, it, the older one not the newer one the older one the newer <laughs> you mean the one that came good. out in the 2000s or the one that came out in like the 1980s the 80s one okay oh. i've seen them both and i prefer the recent one. Oh, you yeah, like the, the recent, recent one's great yeah it's got it's dumbledore in it dumbledore. go watch go watch the count of monte cristo so alexandre dumas Born July 24th. Oh, my Alexa turned on thinking I was talking to her. I should actually turn that off. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa Dumas. Are you there, Alexa? Alexa Dumas. How do I mute you? I mean, maybe if he was alive today, he would go by Alexa. You never know. <laughs> you never know. know. Just go with it. <laughs> Born July 24th, 1802. And how do you pronounce this, Hayden? I would say Vierre Coteret. Pierre Cotteret, France. Wow, that wasn't too bad. I could Thank have butchered you. it, though. Places yeah. are tough. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who don't know, Hayden speaks French. Mostly. Mostly. <laughs> and he, I also did he dabbles take, with it. I also did take three years of French with Hayden, but I have since forgotten most of it. <laughs> Mostly because I just goofed off with my other friend. <laughs> And drew pictures in the textbooks. <laughs> oh, you're one of those. <laughs> it was one of those. Much entertainment had and much entertainment given. Do you There's think that your works in the textbooks could be turned into 200 plus movies? No. <laughs> so maybe we should get back on topic. So Alexandre Dumas 
was actually had some slave heritage. So his father was born in Haiti. He was born to a Frenchman who was a high-ranking officer in the army that was serving over in Haiti, modern-day Haiti, and a slave woman. Those were his grandparents, and his father was born in Haiti. So his grandpa took his father back to France and gave him an opportunity to become well-educated in the French society. And he also gave him an opportunity to join the military. And so Alexandre Dumas' father was one of the first African heritage people to serve in the French military, and he found a lot of success. So because of that, Alexandre Dumas was given the opportunity to spend a lot of his time studying literature. In my research, I think if I remember right, I think his father was a general in Napoleon's army, which is pretty cool because that's the highest ranking that a any black person had in European armies. That was pretty neat. And he was nicknamed the Black Devil. Yeah, that's not bad. That's a great nickname. Why was he honest, nicknamed the general that? is just one step away from emperor because that's the leap that Napoleon made. So <laughs> <laughs> You just got to play your cards right, evidently. That's my contribution to Alexandre Dumas' father. <laughs> Not bad. Thank you for your contribution, Braden. <laughs> yeah, that's my we contribution. We appreciate it here. <laughs> I didn't do much research. Oh, that's funny. Other than that time I read Count of Monte Cristo six years ago. <laughs> Seven years ago. Good times. <laughs> Who knew that would come back? Who knew? Who, Who knew? knew? I sure did. <laughs> Hayden knew <laughs> one day he was going to create a podcast. <laughs> I knew that that was going to be useful one day. Yes. (laughs) Okay, well, anyway, back on the subject. Dumas' father, who was the general, ended up um, falling out of favor with Napoleon due to differences in the Egypt campaign. His father left the army, and he soon died later, and I don't have the exact date that he died. But after that, Dumas and his family grew up pretty poor, a big difference from, you know, having your father who's a high ranking official, always having money, always being taken care of. And then all of a sudden he's gone and now you have absolutely nothing. I would assume that that humbled Alexander and kind of helped him as he went throughout his life. And as he started to write prior to his father passing away, he would have been given a pretty good education. And so he had some pretty stylish penmanship and that is actually what helped him land a job with the Duke of Orleans the Duke so, of Orleans. Mm-hmm. And so this Duke was actually uh, a king later on because they overthrew the current king. So they called him the Citizen King because it wasn't that same line of royalty. What's a better nickname? The Black Devil or the Citizen King? <laughs> the Black Devil. Yeah, I think we all know mm. that one. <laughs> They're both good nicknames. It's not bad, but I think the Black Devil definitely sounds cooler. Where is Orleans? Northern France. Louisiana. Oh, Northern France. That's (laughs) That's the new one, bro. That's the new one. Oh, I'm sorry. That's filled with pelicans. So Northern France. It's Northern France. It's Orleans. And that's, do you know where Ville Cotterie is? Uh, no idea. That place has got to be kind of small, but I would guess not far from Paris. Not far from Paris. If I had to guess. Nice. So he's been up in northern France for a while. Yeah. 
Alexander Dumas and this man were fighting. Um, and this guy was being pretty racist. And so Dumas says, my father was mulatto. My grandfather was Negro and my great grandfather, a monkey. You see, sir, my family starts where yours ends. Boom. Roasted. Sick burn. (laughs) Boom. Roasted. (laughs) Boom. Roasted. And he's been continuing to write. And at age 25, he had his first success as a playwright with his work. How are we pronouncing this? Henri Essasseur? No. (laughs) (laughs) Henri. So if you were to translate that, that's Henry and his sister. (laughs) 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 I don't think that one would take off nearly as well. So it's uh, Henri Essasseur. And depending on how Schuyler found this, that's Henry III and his court, or Henry III and his heart. I imagine it's the court. (laughs) Probably the court. (laughs) Now, he was finding success at a pretty young age, which allowed him to write full-time, and that's how he provided for himself. That was his income. Later on, he would find out that really that income wasn't sufficient for his lifestyle. He was always spending money and had a really hard time keeping his hands on it but he was always extremely generous. So he bought some property, built a chateau on it, really nice, big, fancy house. I love separate... that word. I oh, love the chateau. word chateau. It's so decadent. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a nice, rich, moist cake. That's what I love. <laughs> that's what I love. Well, that's funny. And so anyway, the chateau, he's got this big house and that's, you know, for all his friends to hang out in. (laughs) Next to it, he has his workhouse. And that's where he writes. So I thought that was kind of funny that he built a separate house for him to go to work in on the same property. That's, yeah, that's kind of silly. He was notoriously bad with money. He starts having all the success at a young age, you know, mid-20s. And he doesn't really know how to manage it all. And so he basically... People just hung out in this dude's house. People just showed up to his house and hung out all the time. Yeah, he'd have strangers in his house that he didn't even know, and nor did he really care. (laughs) So he was really generous and giving to others. It didn't matter who you were. You didn't have to have any sort of relationship with him, and he would still be happy to just give you whatever you wanted. It kind of sounded like... What a pushover. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I had one of those friends in high school who gave or was a pushover? Uh, both. <laughs> <laughs> and did you take advantage of him? <laughs> no, no. Oh, good, I, good I helped him learn how to say no to people. Good for you. Yeah, we're still friends. <laughs> I, won't, I won't out him, but... I think he's talking about me, but I can't tell. No, I'm not talking about you, Hayden. <laughs> not talking about you. Yeah. Oh, good. Did I have a backbone? Just eh, kidding. Enough to annoy me, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, moving on. Alexandre Dumas was extremely successful at a young age. And in fact, three years after his first play that he had written, he wrote what is now considered to be the greatest masterpiece of French melodrama. And so he wrote a lot of plays early on. So this one was La Tour de. Nestle or something like that. <laughs> so the Tower La of Tour Nestle. De Nestle. <laughs> La Tour de Nestle. Something like that. I've never heard of it. So 
I should do some more research so on. Is it the greatest masterpiece? Because if we haven't heard of it, it's probably not. The yeah. Greatest. Well, uh, let me yeah. ask you: Do you know yeah. any other pieces of French melodramatic work? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll answer that no. for you. <laughs> no. What What does that actually mean? What is the genre French melodrama? So I'm thinking that it's drama, but mellow. Uh, it's kind of some like French yellow mellow drama. Because <laughs> I think this is a ridiculous claim, and I can't. I kind of want to squash it. Let's see what Wikipedia says. You know how art people are, though. Well, I just imagine that most plays kind of sound like a melodrama, and I don't read plays, so. <clears throat> so Wikipedia says, put on my reading glasses. <laughs> A melodrama is a dramatic work wherein the plot is typically sensational and designed to appeal strongly to the emotions. That's what it says. Okay, so French melodrama is the same thing, but French, which how is Les Miserables not the best French melodramatic work? Because it's not because the person who wrote it isn't French. Is Victor Hugo French? Yeah, it's Victor Hugo. That was one of his contemporaries, I think. Pretty sure he's French. A French poet, novelist, and dramatic. And and Victor Hugo was Alexander Dumas' like arch rival, dude. Yeah, yeah. They had like a uh, Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger thing going on. It's a real thing. They probably had like a write-off one day. Okay. Well. I am going to squash that La Tour de Nestle is considered the greatest masterpiece of French melodrama, and I'm going to say that Les Miserables is. I don't think Les Miserables is a melodrama. It appeals strongly well, to the emotions, so, does it so not? That's Les, true. So Les Mis is a book, and a novel. That they've turned into a play. That they've turned into a, a, a musical, while La Tour de Nestle... <laughs> is a play started out as a play <laughs> it's remained a movie. play it has remained a play <laughs> and i don't know if it's become a movie it could be one of those 200 that has become a movie but i don't know but either way it's a play not a novel yeah. i am a movie and a play <laughs> and the soundtrack besides also being a book and i make people lots of money <laughs> and that's why it's all okay Alexandre Dumas was a member of the French elite once he was so well-known and so popular. Just like all those other French elites, he really liked to get involved in affairs. Not business affairs, but the other kind. So, (laughs) in fact, he was rumored to to have had at least 40 mistresses. He was also married, so like he wasn't very good at the marriage thing. <laughs> um, I don't mean to put the pressure on us, but my laptop says that I need to restart in 28 minutes and 40 seconds. <laughs> Are you looking at my screen? Can you see this? No, I don't see no, it. It says it's restarting in 28 minutes and 32 seconds. Oh, it doesn't share that. That's funny. So let's keep it going. All right. So some of his contemporaries were actually buried in the Pantheon in Paris. Uh, some of those respected... Authors such as Victor Hugo. Yeah. Uh, I boom. think Emile Zola was also buried in Paris. And so Oh yeah, I'm to... very familiar with his work. <laughs> yes. Who? <laughs> Zola? Yes, him. <laughs> very familiar so, with his So work. what did he write? Good stuff, man. 
he didn't write the best French melodrama, but he did. He sure did try. <laughs> it was Research a it for game. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and so what was interesting was Alexandre Dumas primarily claimed that he wasn't buried up in the Pantheon and he wasn't entombed there due to his African ancestry. Ah. And so in 2002, which is 200 years after he was born, his remains were actually moved and put into the Pantheon. So nice. that was something that's really cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Disrespecting someone's bones and then putting them somewhere else. <laughs> well, you know what's cool? It wasn't bones. It was ashes. So, ha! Disrespect that! <laughs> Same thing. They were once bones. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, he wouldn't have mind. Ashes to ashes, dust Ooh, to you dust. You know, there's a, great, there's a great phrase on William Shakespeare's grave. We should look it up. William Shakespeare grave. I think it's called an epitaph. No, maybe. I don't know. I think an epitaph <laughs> might be something else. No. <laughs> this is on Shakespeare's grave or tomb. Good friend, for Jesus' sake forbear, to dig the dust enclosed here. Blessed be the man that spares these stones, and cursed be he that moves my bones. Okay, well, let me give you the word of the day real quickly. This one is for all you people out there that need to know what an epitaph is. Epitaph, a phrase or form of words written in memory of a person who has died, especially as an inscription on a tombstone. I think an epitaph is something that someone writes about you, not something that you have written on your own grave. Tomato, tomato. Did you, but, did you miss the part where it said, especially something written on a tombstone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think it's written by somebody else for someone, not something you put on your own thing. I'm definitely going to write my own epitaph. No, no, no. You could consider it. You could certainly consider it an epitaph, but I don't know what's the proper sense of the word. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we'll find that one out another day. <laughs> we, we have more important things to argue about. Yeah. As in that Alexander Dumas has over 100,000 pages of published works. True or false? No, it's 98,000. <laughs> <laughs> fight me sorry i don't mean to be so trivial <laughs> anyway that is incredible a hundred thousand pages so if you think about and i'm only familiar with two of it i'm only or not two pages two, two, two pages <laughs> <laughs> the spark, spark notes noted. the spark notes for spark notes monte cristo and three musketeers <laughs> oh that's so funny yeah one hundred thousand pages of published works Maybe and a lot that of translates to 200 years or 200 uh, films that have been made about his works, which is something that's really incredible. I know. So. I mean, especially when you consider works from uh, like writers that might be considered more famous, like Edgar Allan Poe's of the world. And he doesn't have 200 films out there from his work. That's because he wrote like little teeny short stories. Or 100,000. That's because he wrote about a raven. <laughs> no one cares about Quoth, a raven. Nevermore. Nevermore. Uh, if no. you think about the 100,000 pages, a single man wouldn't be able to do that in a lifetime. He actually had like 73 people that worked with him and helped him write. Oh, so like he's he like a Thomas Edison Paul. character. No, that's he fine. Had, it's just he entrepreneurship. Had, he, had a big, he had a big influence in what they wrote, and I'm sure he read over everything, but... Yeah, that's, just, so that's entrepreneurship. That's some of stuff. the published works, a lot of that was because he actually also started newspapers. 
And so he essentially was the editor for the newspaper. And so he nice. reviewed every single thing that went out. Um, but if you count any of that towards that, then yes, he would have had a lot of employees beneath him that were doing that. Good it was stuff. interesting. One of his earlier books had some of the similar similarities to the Count of Monte Cristo. And so as he had then written the Count of Monte Cristo, he had help writing the earlier work. And so the person that wrote the earlier work uh, took him to court over it. And so he was actually rewarded some money because of it, but he was not given a byline. A lot of his works kind of have similarities to what he had written prior. He stayed a lot on similar topics. Which, if you're good at it, might as well keep doing the same thing. Obviously, it was working. Yeah. Does he continue to publish works to this day? He <laughs> sure doesn't. But other people do for him because oh, he what? had employees. Yeah. Because he died. When did he die? December 5th, 1870. Yeah. So, so he definitely... <laughs> Does he still publish works? So he died in 1870, yet his most recent work was published, not by him, but by somebody else, in the early 2000s. So again, he would have been 200 years old. It's 130 years after he's passed away. And his most recent work was published in 2006 in English. It's called The Last Cavalier. And it's actually about my great, 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 I don't know how many greats, grandfather, Lord Horatio Nelson and his death, which is not too shabby. For our listeners who don't know who Horatio Nelson is, <laughs> which is most of them, please enlighten us. Lord Horatio Nelson was a member of the uh, English Navy. He was a naval officer. Um, he liked lots of women as well, and so that's why he's <laughs> my great, 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 I don't know how many times grandfather. And so... <laughs> That's anyway, why. he was extremely Wait, successful. So, <laughs> he, he couldn't have loved just one woman. He had to love multiple women for you to be born. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not necessarily, but that's certainly how it worked out. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> maybe not out of necessity, but... <laughs> History hinges on this stuff. <laughs> anyway, he he was actually... Nobody knows who killed him. He was basically caught in the middle of a firefight while he was leading his ship and he got sniped essentially from somebody up in the crow's nest on the other ship and ended up passing away after the battle and so i'm sorry hayden i'm sorry for your loss <laughs> it's okay man it's okay so, it'll be okay so he got sniped and then continued to fight from what i remember yes he got sniped and then he ended up bleeding out after Okay. Um, that he wasn't able to recover from his injury within the, like, the next couple days. And so Alexandre Dumas writes about a fictional character that was the one that killed him. And so that was the last book that he was working on. And he died before he could finish it. But somebody ah. else found it like around the year 2000, found all of these notes, did a ton of research, and then ended up writing the last two and a half chapters and then publishing the book under the name Alexandre Dumas. So, yes, he's still publishing fairly recently. Whoa! Whoa! Okay, that is how you define true success. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. 
I too want to die. Yeah. And have someone publish a book in my name. That's pretty cool. Hundreds of years later. Yeah, it's really not too bad. But now, they're putting the other... their crappy words in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully they take issue study with your that. style. Well, if they study your style, then it'll flow. I see. Flattery is... What, the highest what? form of flattery. <laughs> what do they say? Imitation, <laughs> Imitation is the highest, is the highest form of flattery. Imitation is the highest form of flattery. Flattery is flattery the highest form of imitation. It's how you imitate. Yes. <laughs> that. Flattery is the highest form of imitation. <laughs> what? Cool. That is Alexandra Dumas. If you can just get a clip of uh, Michael Scott saying boom roasted and insert it there. No, we'll get sued. <laughs> <laughs> So for, we're not making any money. Yeah, we yeah we are. I mean, this is a great podcast. You know, it's up there in the <laughs> rankings against like uh, the Joe Rogan show and whatever other prolific podcasts are out there. It's too hard to keep track, but you know we're way up there. We are way <laughs> up there. We've been making bank. So I popular. recently bought a house, and you know that when you buy a house using none of the proceeds from your podcast because you don't even need them, <laughs> that's when you know you found true success. Take it easy there, Donald Trump. <laughs> he no reflexing on us. <laughs> if you can if you can get published 130 years after your death, or if you can buy a house using no money from your podcast, killing it. Success. Or if you can build the chateau and let strangers hang out in there just all the time <laughs> and keep the party going twenty four seven. I guess that I guess that's not too bad. I think he kept it going for twenty four seven and about three years. <laughs> <laughs> until he went bankrupt i was like crap i gotta sell this chateau then he bounced then he bounced it's it's now a museum so if you guys ever want to know about alexander dumas and want to visit his museum skip all the good stuff well what the tourists say is the good stuff <laughs> and go see the alexander dumas museum yeah if you go to the eiffel tower you're just bound to get pickpocketed don't, anyway don't go to the alexander dumas museum unless you're a total nerd if you're a nerd that's nerds. fine i'm a nerd too but don't don't do that when you go to france yeah don't spoil it for people that are nerds <laughs> call. call get out of our way <laughs> jeepers um, all right well all right. that is our episode and i hope you guys liked it and if you didn't who cares you should still subscribe um, <laughs> i liked it <laughs> good I, i'm sure we're the only people that will like it but anyway we are available on apple podcast and spotify and we would sure enjoy a rating of five stars and of course we need a review please thank you tis the season i mean the season of giving is coming up folks it's almost halloween this episode will probably drop on halloween it's not very halloweeny but um that means that the season of giving is coming out. I'm seeing Christmas crap. So start giving, giving us those five-star reviews. Follow us, Finest Hours Podcast, on Instagram. And we want to know who inspires you and who we should look into doing an episode on in the future. If you don't have Instagram, send us an email, finesthourspod at gmail.com. And if you do have Instagram, share us. We would enjoy that too. How do you do that? Send it to all your friends. Yeah, just send us to all your friends. Like, on Instagram. Don't forget to send a message to people. Hey, I follow this page with these yeah. three annoying no, people. No, um, <laughs> you know, just 
Instagram. Well, you're right. I don't know how you're supposed to share things on Instagram. Send it to people's DMs. I'm sure yeah, they would enjoy it to their DMs. Be like, I'm hey, sure I, they I think you could use this podcast. Yeah. It'll, it'll change your life. <laughs> Just in it case you're trying your to slide into somebody's DMs. <laughs> that is a great icebreaker. So anyway, folks, that's our show. <laughs> so please, <laughs> get sponsors. <laughs> so we can start blasting people with ads. Yeah. That's the thing about it. Think about it. Just in the middle of our podcast. Amazon Prime. <laughs> yep. Progressive. We're progressive. Yeah. I mean, we could go insurance. We could. Geico. Yes. 15% or more. 15% could no, save no, you 15 no, minutes. No, of no, time. no, 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 no. They have to pay for that. <laughs> they have to pay for us to screw up their odds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we screw everything else up. So it just fits. All right, folks, that's going to do it. We'll see you back in a couple weeks with another story. Boom, roasted.